Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Zeit gang, you like to watch new stuff, right? I mean, who doesn't? I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama, a new season of The Kardashians starring the Kardashians, of course, and Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. This is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth, issues affecting the Latin community, and much more. Then every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community. Listen to Life as a Gringo on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, the internet, and welcome to this episode of the Weekly Zeitgeist. Uh, These are some of our favorite segments from this week, all edited together into one uh, nonstop infotainment laugh extravaganza uh yeah so without further ado here is the weekly zeitgeist miles yeah we're thrilled a little trepidatious to be joined in our third seat by a brilliant comedian Mm -hmm. writer actor and twisted motherfucker allegedly stand up albums (laughs) the blake album stuffed boy and live from the pandemic debuted at number one on itunes and amazon yeah. Uh, his album, 12 Years of Voicemails from Todd Glass to Blake Wexler, charted on Billboard. Please welcome the oh, hilarious, yeah. the chaotic. He's riding a recumbent bike in short shorts, and his <laughs> plumpers are on full display. <laughs> it's Blake Wexler! Blake! <laughs> hey, guys. Thank you for having me. This is Blake Wexler, a.k.a. Zyder Day. 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 Zyder <laughs> that is not from Paul Garaventa. That's from me. I wrote that, and it is titled "Saturday Zeit's All Zeit for Zeiting." And- <laughs> That's one of those songs that, like, now, now that I've heard it a bunch of times, it doesn't strike me as much. But the first time I heard it, I'm like, "This guy's just screaming Saturday over yeah. and over again." What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> what is Did happening? you ever hear someone remix that, uh, like, in the air tonight, where with the with the drum, where it's like, "Dun dun 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 but they looped it over and over and over again for like four minutes, where it just never ends. Where I wonder if someone could do that with Saturday. Oh, Saturday, 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 just trying different emphases. Yeah, because what is it like? Oh, wait, has someone made it? No, oh, yeah. the internet. The internet is under. No, someone did one for Twenty One Pilots Saturday. Huh. One is there hour a different loop. one. Is there? Did, oh, did somebody remake Elton the Twenty One Pilots one? No, Jack, we're talking about Elton John's version. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, with that one. you're talking no, about like when people always do one. whatever for ten hours is kind of like the that like YouTube format. Just like just like when people do like I know, 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 I know. Well, this is a good podcast. Oh, guess what? Yeah, baby. Hold on. Where is it? We're we're 19 minutes in. 19 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Saturday. 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 An hour and 45 minutes in. You still think he's gonna come in and change it at some point, right? Like the you best, still hold out hope. The best is the visuals to the video. It's a non-ending loop of just like an infinite going into Elton John's mouth. Zoom. Oh my god, I'm gonna throw up. Just 10 hours. We probably can't even 10 hours long that YouTube video is. Uh, Um, I love it. Look, I'm just gonna say Say up top, Mm -hmm. I was against having Blake on today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. Our Mm -hmm. podcast. We were gonna have Henry Kissinger on. Yeah. And our podcast is just recovering from the last time Blake was here and referred to his legs as plumpers. And like Henry and I have the same agent. Yeah. And I often get his bookings when he can't make them, which is frequently. He's not well, yeah. if you haven't noticed. I loved your uh, talk at Davos. It was fantastic. So, I was so really tired. put things in perspective. Yeah, right? yeah, great delivery. It's like no, it's not our fault. You're right. It's not our fault. <laughs> Why are they hating? Because we have money. I don't get it, guys. Right. Oh, jealousy. Is that maybe uh, <laughs> ever heard of it? Thank mm-hmm. you. Anyways, Blake. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's great to have you back. It's um, great to be back. Blake, did yeah. you see did you see Shaq get pushed into the Christmas tree by Oh Kenny? yeah, that's what we were talking On about before the we started recording. We yes. I, I said we, the people crave this content. Well, we need to talk I, about it. For people it who don't know, on Inside the NBA, there was like a foot race where <laughs> Kenny put shoved fucking Shaq into like a like probably like a 20 foot Christmas tree. Yeah. And a Shaq like, and a half. They're running, yeah. they go shoulder to shoulder, Shaq goes like head first into this fucking Christmas and like vanishes into it because it's yeah. so big. It uh, is, and <laughs> by falling into the Christmas tree instead of continuing to move in like unimpeded, uh, that Christmas tree saved three lives because right. if he had just like gone off off stage into like people working behind the scenes, they, they would have been crushed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm surprised Shaq hasn't given himself the nickname the vociferous coniferous yet after falling into that tree. I, mean, and I think there's nothing more objectively funny than a person falling into a tree because you think it would be painful, but you do get absorbed by the, the pines. Yeah. There's yeah. something about what, like someone that big, like running at full because it feels very childish because they're mm-hmm. just racing to the other end of the studio and Kenny Smith just gives them the shoulder to shoulder here. <laughs> it is. <laughs> you just see his feet sticking out. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like in Wizard of Oz when the house lands on her. And yeah, just yeah. The his feet, feet are, are just sticking out, from out the bottom. Toes up. Um, oh, man. It's... Toes up. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I would be screaming. Maybe he would have been it were we not on. Um, not on TV. Maybe he would have been just going, ow, 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 ow. But yeah. he, he held it in. Um, there was this guy who would hang out in the valley. His name was Christmas Tree Mike. Mm-hmm. And he got that name because he was always jumping into Christmas trees. See, this is the thing. Like, it, yeah. Kiefer Sutherland did it in that one video. And it's like one of the greatest 
videos of just drunken uh, madness that I've ever seen. Now mm-hmm. Shaq getting pushed into one. Like this feels like a thing that just diving into Christmas trees might it's time might be coming. Uh, and apparently it already was with Christmas trees. Is that like our new way of like pushing back against like creeping theocracy? Yes. Oh, hold on. I just I haven't seen the Kiefer Sutherland one in a while. Yeah. What is he like at a hotel lobby? Hey Kiefer, you a pirate man. That would explain everything. Oh, just take yes. that fucker down. Take the tree down. He kind of dives. It's not a satisfying die. He dies with his hands like yeah. straight up. Um, you want to like but, full arm and leg wrap around the trunk. Yeah. Not to be underrated is the guy saying, Kiefer, you're a pirate man. And Kiefer responding, that would explain everything. Yeah, that Before would explain everything. It in. would. Yeah. <laughs> that would explain everything. Mm-hmm. You ever seen him out in L.A. drunk? I haven't, but I know a lot of people who have. Yeah, yeah. that's like another L.A. story. People would, you'd, you you sort of like have is like back in the early aughts was like you'd always probably intersect with Andy Dick doing something absolutely fucking oh ridiculous or illegal. Yeah. And then the other one was Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Brian came in the chat. Yep. I know, dude, if you were hanging around the fucking canters on Fairfax, you definitely were running into Andy Dick because mm-hmm. that's where I always saw him. I've seen him there. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Weird in some no spots boundaries. you're like, yo, yeah. that washed up dude is there like eight <laughs> times out of ten. Yeah. It's guess I guess I'm just gonna get touched inappropriately while I eat a grilled cheese sandwich at one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> my <laughs> my friend got in a goes. car my friend got in a car with Andy Dick Oof. around the time he was like twenty years old and he was like very much starstruck by like being like, Hey, you wanna go to a party with us? And he got in like this like Porsche like with like two other dudes and then like he like got out like immediately and we're like, oh, <laughs> it, it, got, it became like get very lecherous and predatory very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is what you're missing out by, by not living in L.A., mm-hmm. the rest of America. Yeah, yeah. I miss it. Um, <laughs> I miss that more than anything else. Yeah. Not, not, our, not the French. Hey, at least you get you, water Andy ice Dick, now. I'll miss you most of all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a little Wizard of Oz reference for the kids. You <laughs> for know? the kids. What is something from your search histories that is revealing about who you are? Catherine, you want to start us off? Sure. I I looked and I was like, what's sort of weird and illuminating here? Uh, Horse head bumper. Horse head bumper. Yeah, was one. So I'm a a horse. I'm a horse mom. And um, that's how you like to greet them with a little head bump. A little head bump. (laughs) It's like a little thing that they wear on their head uh, if they have to travel so that if they freak out which he does and fling their head in the air they don't also split their oh. skull open so oh it's like God. a little it's like a really dorky kind of like thick leather pope cap is kind Ooh, of how huh. it looks okay. which pope cap because pope hats <laughs> can get pretty wild <laughs> they oh, just yeah. pretty i'm thinking the like the, you know the curvy one the like, little uh, curvy one yeah yeah yeah, yeah that is a good modest point pope hat yeah, mm. there might be some really interesting directions to take horse bumpers in the whole Pope hat. Yeah, variety. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like I cool. haven't seen the big good Pope hat in a while. The one that's just <laughs> not really like any other hat that has ever been worn by anyone else. Is just no. the size of a of a large basket, like a ha- <laughs> clothing hamper, just yeah, exactly. hamper on top of someone's head. <laughs> I don't know why that's what I went with. <laughs> Holding in all that hair. Yeah. <laughs> but For some reason, this is making me wonder how the Pope feels about White Lotus. 
And yeah. if he's been watching this season, Huge fan, and I'd imagine. maybe exactly. if he'll appear in the finale. These are all <laughs> questions that are now coming up for me. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of religious art in there. Mm. So who knows? Yep. How about you, Leah? What, what's something from your search history that's revealing about who you are? Well, one of the most recent things I searched was Mistress America trailer, uh, which is a movie directed by Greta Gerwig. I was reading a long profile about her. And the secret to my productivity is that I don't really watch movies. I watch movie trailers. And so on any given day, (laughs) I'm searching a trailer. I mean, most movie trailers give you the entire story in like two and a half minutes and then you're done. You don't really have to watch the movie. And they're so emotional. They, right? they all pack all oh those gosh. emotions in there. Uh-huh. Why don't we have like best trailer awards at the Oscars? You I've know? asked this question that, many times. A brilliant observation. Something <laughs> desperately yeah. needed and not yes. enough credit given to those trailer cutters. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Amazing. They're the unsung heroes of our time, really. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Are they the same people who do like the emotional sports video stories like for the Olympics? Gosh. You know, those little like... Oh my God. They right. take you on that same emotional roller coaster in two and a half minutes before the next like hundred meter whatever. <sighs> yeah, just make you weep. I'm yeah. such a baby for those. They make me cry every <laughs> single time. I love an emotional Olympic story. Yeah, <laughs> micro so emotional roller coasters. Yes, that's like a professional skill set. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. just looked at the runtime for Avatar Two: The Way of the Water, and, and it is. <laughs> Like not, it is not a number that I've ever seen as a runtime before. <laughs> what, does it have a three hours in the front of it's, it? Well, it, yeah, but they didn't do it. It was like a hundred and ninety something minutes. Okay. Oh wow! So three hours ten. Yeah, three That's hours insane. ten. That's a long. They don't movie. want you to yeah. know. Yeah. They're like, maybe you can't yeah. do the math. And- yeah, this dumb dumb can't do math. He'll <laughs> he'll just go to the movie. But I'm excited to see that. But less, a little less excited. I might just watch the trailer and i know of right just i mean yeah. you're gonna you're gonna find out the whole plot who dies what the romance is i mean you just need <laughs> yeah, two and a half minutes there you go fair. how was the greta gerwig trailer it was great i mean i love greta gerwig i should probably actually watch the movie like that is something that i should maybe give time to but you know what i did give time to was the extremely long profile about her so i have time to read i just mm. don't always have time to watch yeah you know two-hour movies I mean, God bless. You are far more enriched for it, for giving time to reading more than watching. Like, props to you on that one. Right. Gold star. Gold star. I'm like the last person in America who still reads, it appears. So, <laughs> so this is not the Barbie movie that we've been covering. No, but it was about the Barbie movie. And did you okay. see those stills? They were amazing. We, oh, my yeah. God. I mean, the stills have been incredible. But Greta Gerwig has another more serious film dropping before that. No, no, it's series. actually old. I mean, why would you think I'm up up to speed on, on culture here? No, this is <laughs> okay. from years ago. Mistress was, America is old. <laughs> it's old, yeah, <laughs> just to be clear. Oh, okay. I'm not watching current ah. trailers, okay? I'm not that hip. <laughs> <laughs> Cutting edge, watching current trailers. <laughs> watching trailers from seven years ago. That is Love what that. I do with my time, yes. Okay, cool. What is something you think is overrated? Voice memos. I don't know if the like for me, like voice memos feel really overrated, like unless it's just like a sweet like, hey, think of you or just going to like say something stupid and fun. If we're having a whole conversation over voice memos, it's freaking hard to keep track for me. Mm, yeah. And then I can't go me. back and reference. Yeah, just call yeah. me. Like I'm like either text me or just call me. Like 
I, I want one or the other, but now, this like I, weird in between. Is this happen? When I have voice voice memos, it used to happen in two ways. On yeah. iMessage, like on your phone, when people send voice notes, that's usually how drug dealers talk to each other. So there's no real text. You just send these ethereal mm-hmm. voice notes to, you know, disappear to coordinate things. Yes. And then but then I also have a version where, like, I talk to people that live abroad on WhatsApp and all of that is straight voice memo <laughs> conversations from people, especially like I know a lot, like there are people I talk to in like Costa Rica or like Africa and stuff. And they just hit you with a two minute and a half yes. voice memo. And I'm like, and- yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, uh, it's uh, like, for example, for us, like being like Mexican and then ha- having a lot of Latin American friends. And like, also like my French sister was like, here's a three different voice memos back to back, which are each like three minute long things. Right. And I, I'm just like, oh my God, like I love it. And I'm glad that WhatsApp at least I can like go back and listen to it. But like, right. there's still no mode to like fast forward. Yeah, like Either. scrub. To the yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, so if I've listened and then I had to pause and then it closes for some reason. Yeah. And with iMessage, it's like the moment you pause it, it starts back from the beginning. Right. Ooh. So yeah. then you're There's like, a little podcast I mm. made for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But much. I get it too. Like it is hard because when you're abroad, right, the time zones, you don't know if you're gonna actually call each other on the phone. So I I understand the impulse to be like, let me send you my voice and then you send your voice back. So then it kind of feels like we're just connecting a little bit deeper than text. But like when I got married, I had a cousin send me a no joke, a seven minute voice message about my wedding. And I was like, this is a lot to listen to. (laughs) Like and that I'm like, that's both really sweet and endearing. And I'm glad you have it now. But then I'm also like, yeah, I've gotten 12 minute ones before. Yeah, that's and I'm like, <laughs> I love it. I really do. But when I have, then also, what's ridiculous is when you go back and forth, and you're like, we're clearly in this chat at the same time. <laughs> right, right. We're right. clearly here together. Yeah, let's yeah. use the terrible phone function on it instead. Yeah, is yeah. the phone function terrible on like what's yeah, that's that? Just like a bit of a delay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all. Yeah, yeah. It's also bad when, like, if you send a voice memo or if you're getting a voice memo and it transcribes for you. And they've gotten good at transcribing, so, like, the, they're getting the words right. But, like, I've never felt stupider than, like, seeing my words transcribed because there's pauses, <laughs> there's, uh, like, and <laughs> just, like, what is happening? This, uh, I, I would rather have just texted this straight, had the delete function then yeah there's always a chance you'll be transcribed and that's not good for anyone usually Mm. unless you speak Mm -hmm. in complete sentences like some sort of freak (laughs) (laughs) gabe what's something you think is underrated uh i've been thinking about this a lot because i've been trying to like give myself a nice routine in life Mm. and i if, if i'm thriving if i'm like firing at all cylinders i'm eating fruit every day and we're not talking about fruit enough yeah, okay. fresh fruit. Give me some Go fruit, on. man, all like the time. <laughs> Fire them off, rattle them off. What do you? Oh, think I'm having you... bananas. I'm having blueberries okay. today. Okay. I just had some uh, pineapple, and uh, oh, I'm crushing it here. I don't care. Yeah. All seasons. Who cares? Wow. <laughs> Give me more fruit. Feeling good. <laughs> yeah. Pineapple peak pineapple when it's like at its Ooh. most ripe is my favorite fruit. I think it's. And... A, I don't even. Can we call that fruit? It's, <laughs> yeah, it's so delicious. It's so it's so fucking, fucking good. sweet. I'm like, there's no fucking way. 
<laughs> like that we can call this a like a healthy thing to eat because like yeah. I'm starting to see like streaks of light in my like line of vision from how sweet it is. <laughs> also, my favorite like uh, fake flavor. Like I, th- I think they've mostly nailed pineapple in like gum and shit like that. Like that, yeah. it's it generally is fruit. I guess there's not a lot of like pineapple candy, but the I I do not in the U.S. To, yeah, I do tend to enjoy a lot of pineapple gum. And pineapple flavored things, uh, blueberries year round. They're they're never that bad. I agree. We've been talking a lot about apples on this yeah. podcast, but I think we, I think we should spend some time on bananas. Bananas are fucking delicious. And just, I don't like them. You don't like bananas? No, I make. I, we've talked about it. make my throat itch. Oh yeah, that's right. You have. <laughs> you that might allergy. be allergic. Yeah. 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 That's all. That's right. Justin's allergic too. <laughs> yeah. But I eat. But I have the same thing with avocados. It's like those high potassium foods. Mm. They like trigger little things in my throat or like my lip. But avocados, I fucking fight. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> those of us who can enjoy them, bananas are a real blessing. Real, real mitzvah. Yeah, I feel yeah. like we. Yeah, they make me think of Tiger Woods because it's like a thing he'll eat right before he like wins a golf tournament. Yeah, like, what's he doing? He's like walking to the last hole and he's just like pounding a banana. We're like, oh, yeah. I guess that's what you're supposed to eat. <laughs> yeah. I bring yeah. it for my kids anytime I need to like give them a snack. It's like the easiest thing. Like it, it's it's so good. They're a fruit that is creamy. Like there's not, are there other fruits that are creamy? But like if you're like Dream. doing a, doing a uh, smoothie, like there's such a good base that adds. It's like, would you put like ice cream in this? Nope. Mm, just bananas. Right. It's Yeah. I guess guava is a good creamy replacement, according to super producer Justin. Mm. But and I, I heard people like the organic people, the people who like like are worried about their food, which we just talked a lot about Taco Bell. I can't imagine that's any of us. But <laughs> like the skin is super thick, so like it's not one of those food. Like when you need an apple, like the skin has just been like rolling around in the truck for four years. <laughs> right, right, right. But like a banana is like protected, so it's it's a pretty safe even for like the. Uh, I mean, I get the organic. I spend the extra yeah. twenty cents, but. Yeah, it's like an armadillo. It's got a thick skin on it. You know, there's nothing getting through there. Uh, Yet, I I am very suspicious of the amount of like really glossy apple skins that I've consumed, like that look (laughs) like they were buffed out with like (laughs) car wax. It's like, come on, they they shouldn't look that good. Yeah, every day of the year they look the same. It's like something's wrong. There used to be (laughs) food used to go bad. It was okay. Yeah, yeah, amazing. All right, well. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back to talk about uh, some of the things that are happening elsewhere in the world. You like to watch new stuff, right, Zygang? I know I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. Because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump. Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabelle, a glamorous estate in the French countryside, as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. And don't miss the new season of The Kardashians, uh, starring The Kardashians, of course. And season five promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set on the tropical Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island and secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now and it's waiting for you on Hulu. 
Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. Now, this is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. If you ever felt like you were always too much this while also never being enough that, this is the podcast for you. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth, issues affecting the Latin community, and much more via my own personal stories, along with interviews with inspiring thought leaders from our community. Then, every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community that you need to know. So much of what makes our community so beautiful is our diversity, yet too often those of us who don't fit into this dumb, stereotypical box of whatever it means to be Latino are left without a voice or just forgotten about. On this show, I celebrate the uniqueness of our culture and invite you to walk in your authenticity. Listen to Life as a Gringo as a part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. And the Georgia runoff uh, is in full swing as of this recording. And... It's, I mean, it's look at, so the big headline that we're seeing everywhere is that like the record-breaking vote turnout, right? Early vote turnout. And, you know, just from people who are standing in the lines, like it's, it seems like a remarkably and by design inefficient voting system. Oh, yeah. Just a lot of people voting but it seems like they're voting in response to the voter suppression that <laughs> that people were trying to enact. Yeah, so like after Trump was screaming about how the 2020 election was rigged, a lot of state legislatures like just cooked up some wacky voter suppression bills to be like and that's how we're going to protect like using the voter integrity wave to just bring in all this new voter suppression. Well, that bill in Georgia shorten the period between the general election and a runoff. So while also restricting the ability to register new voters in that period, and a lot of it seems to be like helping Democrats inadvertently, I think because the shortened time has led to a lot of people just turning out in droves because of like just generally the condensed time frame. And previous elections, Democrats, they struggled in runoffs to motivate voters to return to the polls. But again, 
this shortened period seems to have enabled like Warnock's campaign to sort of continue the momentum from November while the Republicans were just trying to sue their way out of this and being like, uh, can we not actually have early voting the weekend before or like right after Thanksgiving, have it start then? That would be bad. And then the judge was like, no, sorry, that that doesn't make any legal sense. So the early voting, you know, will commence then. And since then, we're just seeing like Republicans slowly start to be like, oh, yeah, maybe 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 this one isn't that winnable. But it's also worth mentioning the whole runoff system in Georgia was put in place, you know, originally to dilute the voting power of black voters in the state, because the idea being that working class black voters in places like Fulton County, they wouldn't necessarily be able to go to vote again on a Tuesday, like since they have their own obligations. And so even despite all of that, you're seeing a lot of this turnout. Who knows where it's, you know, where it could lead. I mean, the polls said that uh, Warnock had a slim lead, but, you know, we'll, we believe things when we see them in this day and age. And while all this is happening, like there, the Republicans are kind of retreating, like barely anyone was campaigning for him and he's hardly done any real campaigning himself. And the email for the election night gathering was described as an election night party when typically a confident campaign would call it a victory celebration. They're like, join us for the victory celebration. They said, they might as well have been like, yeah, uh, yeah, we're going to have the game on on Tuesday if you want to stop by. <laughs> <laughs> it was sort of like the energy from that email. So, you know, and while all and then again, on top of this, we have grifting like Trump and Senator Mike Lee in Utah and other Republicans are just using this runoff to fill their own coffers. They're sending emails talking about like, help us. It, like Mike Lee sent one that said, quote, Warnock has been drastically outraising uh, Herschel Walker, and we have to pick up the pace. Please rush a generous contribution to help finish the job and pull off a huge win for Herschel. <laughs> the thing is... Finish the job. Yeah. No. <laughs> right, exactly. Take him out back, because this man is... He, he doesn't even know what office he's running for half the time. Senator Mike Lee, if you look at the fine print, he was keeping 50% of what was donated for himself. And then Trump was also doing this this dude was keeping 90% of what was donated for himself and the other 10% would go to Herschel Walker. On And then even worse, and then when people were like, yo, 90%, he slowly went down to like a 50-50 split after right, getting called out. <laughs> then the, the NRSC, the National Republican Senatorial Campaign, these are the people who are in charge of like the Senate races for the Republican Party. They were keeping 99 cents of every dollar donated. That's... So, it's just like it's wild to see the levels of just like all kinds like just how race is playing out in this so many ways. Like the runoff itself is like a relic of like a tool of white supremacy. The Republicans thinking that like black candidates are interchangeable to voters. Wow. Like, OK, the new like the lack of nuance or it's just the ignorance there. And then like the extraction of capital, like off the back of his campaign to benefit mostly white Republicans. It's like it has it all, folks. This has it all. So we'll see. But I mean. The, the, the Democrats already have their majority either way, but this is this, it's something else to look at. Wow. Ninety nine cents of every dollar. That's that's wild. <laughs> it's the whole I mean, that whole apparatus, like all the all the fundraising that Trump was doing in the aftermath of the last election and like not doing anything with that money, like mm -hmm. just building up his own personal, quote unquote, war chest is it feels like something people are like, that's crazy. And then we just kind of moved on from. But yeah, it's, it's straight up grifting the people that he's r relying on to come out and vote. For him. <laughs> but 
Bodes well for 2024, I must say. Is the Republican Party just going to crash and burn in a pile of grift? Yeah. I I mean, it feels like it because, like, already there's infighting because Marjorie Taylor Greene denounced Nick Fuentes. So now, like, the super far right that even had her back is now like, oh, she's a chump. Like, right. you know, like getting <laughs> mad at her, you're like, yo, you can't make this all, this whole group of people happy. Like, you, yeah, like it's just it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think that's why it's interesting to also see DeSantis's whole like strategy in 2024, which his whole thing is like he's trying to say as little as possible and trying to let Trump do as much damage to himself before they start like trading shots. And that's really the one I'm really willing to see if Trump is able to just bully everyone into being like, okay, fine, you're the fucking nominee. Like, you know, or if they're going to try and and find a different strategy. But I don't know. The the one thing with the the Republicans is they're not very elastic. Um, No. Well, they are when it comes to white supremacy and letting, you know, far right white supremacists and Nazis into the party. They will stretch the shit out of (laughs) them. The, the tent in that direction. <laughs> they can bend that way. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. Yeah. Yes. But that's one thing they can do. That's one thing they do well that the, the Democrats don't do is they can make people in their party fall into line around yeah, right. the points. And the Democrats are allergic to that. The Democrats, yeah. I feel like, aren't aligned with what the people who end up voting for them actually want. Whereas the Republicans, they're like, yeah, 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 we just don't say that shit out loud. But we actually want the thing that you are voting for and that, like, you you want. Like, ultimately, they're aligned with their base. And the Democrats are have to, like, remain... I don't know if it's even have to or want to, but they're ultimately beholden to you know, corporations. And so you can't even really (laughs) compare the two parties because the Democrats are like a corporate machine that is just doing the bidding of like unseen, unspeaking, like ultimately the most powerful people in the party. And they have this base that they have to like pretend like they're doing the bidding of, whereas the Republicans, I think, have the, the advantage of at least they, the courage of their convictions, which are you know being being white supremacists exploiting like white grievance politics yeah yeah because yeah. that is like a thing they're like yo look we all get it right we're mad about right. this okay we can yeah. move forward where yeah it's hard for democrats to be like we get it working people need support and we need to stand by the unions in order to fight their employers for a better wage and cut to that rail work the rail yeah, workers yeah. Fucking <laughs> unless they like, threaten the line go up you yeah. know that yeah. ultimately they care about the line go up. I, I wonder if like eventually they're like, look, y'all, we'll try and get you health care. If you can figure out a way for y'all to have health care and make line go up. <laughs> right. If yeah. you can do that, then sure. Like we're all ears. But everything y'all are talking about means line goes down for people we fuck with. And that's, <laughs> you know, this can't yeah. happen, baby. <laughs> all right. Well, speaking of systemic problems. Yeah. One of kind of continue talking to you, Cerise, about just, you know, you've been reporting for years now of just this systemic problem of unaccountable police violence in Los Angeles. And the similarity of the stories is shocking. Like each one is this cataclysmic failure of human rights and of just, you know, any sort of anything that anyone would think of as a civilized family. Like, 
it's just, but over and over again, you know, the police or the sheriffs shoot or maim someone many times in front of their family. The person in question is often, you know, having a mental health crisis or doing some nonviolent offense like dealing marijuana. There's also, you know, an epidemic that you highlight of like brutal beating of people in prison, like to death or near death while, while handcuffed. And if the person isn't immediately killed, they often leave them to die with no medical attention, oftentimes, again, in front of their loved ones. And then the officers make up a lie, not like many times, not even really attempting to make it believable. Like they'll plant a gun that doesn't even match their or not even report. Yeah. They, or they won't. It'll there be was a, quote, a gun. ghost gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But they'll be like, yeah, it was a black gun. And then the gun they plant is a chrome gun. And they're just like, oh, yeah, you got us. Because the lie, they don't even have to, like, do a meticulous job of lying because when they get caught, they just get sued for millions of dollars that comes from taxpayers. Like, taxpayers pay for their fuck-ups. And then, you know, it's not, not only is it not addressed at a systemic level, the officers in question are either, like, left to continue doing the same job and, like, oftentimes kill other people or made to retire and collect like huge pensions again paid for by taxpayers and it's just i don't know it, it's really startling to you know read it in your original piece and hear it you know in your reporting in the podcast just like laid out side by side that like there's just nothing being done over and over and over again and yeah i mean i I don't know. Like we, we're we're also seeing like how how do you think you you've you're you've done so much amazing like detailed reporting about Los Angeles? Do you hear from people in other parts of the country saying that they they see similar things happening where they are? Oh yes, overwhelmingly so. I've heard from people, and I want to say twenty different states that have either been victims of what they believe to be police gang violence, or even I've heard from police officers that reach out to me and say, I am really concerned about what I think is a gang within my department. Right. Yeah. Is it like just operating pretty much in like the exact same way? Like yes. they have, they have, I, like there's semiotics, there's symbolism, they have tattoos or whatever names. It's not just sort of like, oh, that station is kind of out of control. Like they have a, like identity as well. They do. Yeah. They're, they're doing activities that meet, well, what we have in the California penal code as the standard of a gang, which is three or more people. They have a common name or unifying symbol or hand gesture. They are committing criminal offenses. And they are doing that in order to further the reputation of the gang. Yeah. Do you, you think it's like, I feel like it's just like any social setting, like the, that people get in groups or whatever. And in this case, when you have people who are armed and can just kill with impunity, like that, like that almost that this gang thing is probably, it's safe to believe that it more than not, it's probably existing in someone's city. I would say so. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely corruption happening mm -hmm. in your city. That's right. not unique to the right. Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. The, you know, the tactics that are used by the LASD, I've seen repeated across the country. And there are lots of 
you know, stories by other journalists that break down these tactics that completely mirror what we're seeing in Los Angeles. What we're, what we're What's happening in the L.A. County Sheriff's Department with deputy gangs, it's probably the most well-known gang issue, mm-hmm. but it certainly isn't the only one. Yeah, it really, they, the just lack of accountability and the, like, they, they feel like drunk on, on power. Uh, sometimes they're just drunk, but just doing whatever the fuck they want. It, it like it's it feels like a fraternity or you know like at like some Ivy League school full of like rich kids who've just never seen a consequence in their life because they there's just this institutional knowledge that they can get away with fucking anything they want and the the only thing that they seem motivated by is not keeping anyone safe but insisting on their own right to basically kill people at will like that seems the thing that seems to really motivate them is when that is threatened when that's questioned they really seem to get that that's when they like come together and do a lot of damage is is anytime they feel like somebody's going to criticize them or make it so that systemic advantage is not there for them right exactly there's a quote, I think, in the Jump Out Boys episode where they, their like booklet, their little like gang book defines them as alpha dogs who think and act like the wolf but never become the wolf, which I don't know if it's like an overt reference or if it's just heavily influenced by the teachings of David Grossman, who we've talked about on this show. Right. But he's this former army ranger who goes around like teaching cops to think about the places they police as enemy territory. And that's like warrior mentality, right? Yeah. Warrior mentality. His, his, uh, quote unquote science is called killology. And he's basically, yeah, (laughs) he's, he calls himself America's top police trainer. And that sounds like he's like bragging, but he teaches, you know, countless police forces to basically kill at a moment's notice and not feel guilty about it. And it's it's just straight up like, I mean, his his background's military and he's, you know, giving police forces this marine training, this, you know, like just systemizing of like killing and violence and like that. It's a it's a nationwide kind of program that he's gotten rich by just like putting out there. And the thing he always talks about is like, you got to have the wolf mentality and like because there's wolves and we're sheepdogs, but we have to be able to think. It gets very complicated, and like you need a fucking flowchart to like know who's the sheepdog and who's the wolf, and when you're acting like a wolf, but you're a sheep in wolf's clothing and all this shit. But ultimately, his belief, like for instance, with the Black Lives Matter protests, his stated belief is that they need to be more prepared to use force because of the Black Lives Matter protests, because. You know, he he was a big spreader of the lie that, like, the Black Lives Matter protesters were trying to kill cops, which, you know, comes up in your show that, like, that's just a thing that they really want to fucking believe and have no no support for. That, like, the, when people are protesting them, that they're actually trying to harm them. Yeah. What, what's the mentality, like, Cerise, like, because we've seen clips where, you know, like, people interview cops, like, John Bernthal on his podcast, he asked like this other cop, he's like, where do you think all this police reform stuff's coming from, man? 
Like, what do you think? That's that a dead-on impersonation. That's literally what he fucking literally said in exactly this thing. We're like, says. yo, what, sir? How, like, you know, like, with the added scrutiny with, like, like reporting like yours and things like that, is there even awareness within the departments, like, that they're like, hey, maybe we need to tone it down? Or are they completely, like, on some, like, self-righteous shit where they're like, nah, 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 like, these people are tripping. These people are tripping. Most most police officers that I speak to are very in favor of reform, of oversight. A few of them even say that they need less money in the department. That's another sentiment I hear a lot. Jeez. They won't use the words defund the police, but they will say we do not need a budget. <laughs> we don't need more money. <laughs> they, yeah, I mean, they say we don't need more. We do not need more money, and we certainly don't need all the money that we're getting. And yeah, yeah I. And, that, and that's police officers that I speak to across the political spectrum, Democrats, Republicans, they all, for the most part, agree that, yeah, there is a huge issue going on. We do need more accountability. We need more oversight that is not coming from inside the sheriff's department. It needs to be an outside third party. And yes, we could do with less money and we should do with less money. Yeah. It's almost unbelievable. (laughs) It is. Some of them even say we should get rid of the department. And that's coming from both sides of the political spectrum as well. Is that yeah. because they're saying, like, I'm not sure what good we're doing anymore? Or Exactly. Like, oh, so they think they think that they're doing more harm than good. And they think that the department is so far gone that it can't right. be saved. Yeah, it seems like a lot of the police that you interview are former police officers. Right. They have this experience up close with like detailed, you know, just seeing the corruption encountering like what happens when someone tries to address the corruption and, and yeah that like it's understandable that they're like i i don't know this is this is hopeless yeah i'm like with how do you feel with robert luna coming in in terms of you know like his potential to you know obviously be somewhat better than villanueva yeah, the bar's really on the floor there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, I think Robert Luna would have to do a lot of really truly awful shit to right. get on really anyone's bad side at this point. Yeah, I'm hopeful that you know we can see a return to normalcy in the sheriff's department, um, and I we've already seen that. I mean, I've never. I don't think there would be a chance in hell in the prior four years for me to interview Sheriff Alex Villanueva, but I was able to interview now Sheriff Luna, which, you know, Sheriff Villanueva, like, bounced me out of his press conferences. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that's that's already that's pretty positive. (laughs) Right. right, right. (laughs) He's willing to speak. So, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I I don't think that, you know, he single-handedly can eliminate the deputy gang issue in four years. I mean, it's it's a 50-year problem, and he's one man, and I right. think that he understands that it's a deeply entrenched issue that's going to take, you know, some serious overhaul. And yeah. I'm excited to see, you know, what the Luna administration is going to look like and what it means to have Robert Luna as the sheriff of Los Angeles County. Yeah, there. I mean, Villanueva came to power on like as a quote unquote progressive Democrat, but he like your uh, podcast like really exposes that like he was connected already to like Kevin DeLeon and like some of some of these people who have now been outed as white supremacists. So it's this deeply entrenched 
you know, problem. So that was like, I guess, something that was making me feel less hopeful about Luna is like, well, Villanueva came in and was claiming that he was going to reform things and he was like worse and like created more of a problem. And so what's to be different about this guy? And it, it does seem like there's a difference because of your reporting and because of, you know, some of the systemic white supremacy that's being exposed just throughout the political machine in Los Angeles. Hopefully. And much more, much more to be exposed, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Oh, of course. Yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about some that AI selfie art app that everyone's buying. You like to watch new stuff, right, Zygang? I know I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. Because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump. Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabelle, a glamorous estate in the French countryside, as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. And don't miss the new season of The Kardashians, uh, starring the Kardashians, of course. And... Season five promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set on the tropical Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island and secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. Now, this is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. If you ever felt like you were always too much this while also never being enough that, this is the podcast for you. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth 
issues affecting the Latin community, and much more via my own personal stories, along with interviews with inspiring thought leaders from our community. Then, every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community that you need to know. So much of what makes our community so beautiful is our diversity, yet too often those of us who don't fit into this dumb, stereotypical box of whatever it means to be Latino are left without a voice or just forgotten about. On this show, I celebrate the uniqueness of our culture and invite you to walk in your authenticity. Listen to Life as a Gringo as a part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. And let's talk about your podcast, Maria. Let's talk about When You're Invisible. Yeah. Because... Uh, your first episode dropped last week, I think. I d- it did, and episode two just dropped today yeah. or yesterday. <laughs> so, in, in your first interview, uh, in your first episode, you interview someone named Ralph who works mm-hmm. at an Ivy League package center, and it's Columbia University. You went to Columbia. That's how you kind of met him, and he yep. he talks about growing up in Washington Heights and then like coming to this Ivy League campus with its like beautifully manicured lawns and old buildings. And I think he said something like, why, why didn't I even know that this existed? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where was this? But you specifically used the phrase working class in the intro to When You're Invisible. And, you know, like I mentioned up top, America has this pervasive myth that class doesn't exist because you're always just like one break away from being a millionaire. Mm-hmm. And... I, th- I think an idea that your first couple episodes get at is that, you know, that that is not true. And also, like, it, when you are in the working class, a lot of times people treat you as if you're invisible. And like some mm-hmm. of the behaviors that they describe, I think it was the the guest of the second episode was talking about like a girl not getting the package she wanted, a, a student at Columbia not getting the package she wanted as quickly as possible, and just laying on the ground, plugging her ears and like screaming at the top of her lungs until just being like, la, 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 Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, their stories are insane. Like even uh, one that we didn't get to include for Ralph was like, he was like, there's these turnstiles to get into the building from the street where the package center is. Mm. And it's the big turnstiles, like the full body bar one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And apparently there was a student who started going in the opposite direction and the bars weren't moving because there's only one that like you push (laughs) and you go through the open (laughs) hole, but the other side is just bar, 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 bar. So she like gets to the bars, is noticing it's not moving start sticking her arms through it <laughs> to try and see if she can like somehow finagle getting in. Wait, and you're talking goes, about the fixed side of a rotating door side. where the metal yes. bars go underneath the other metal bars? Yes, like, exactly. Oh, she thought, okay, go on. <laughs> <laughs> and he like, he's like watching her and he goes, Ex- excuse me, other side. <laughs> and she like but he was like she full-on committed like had gotten like one full arm like trying to get through yeah that sounds like me when i'm too high though for to be fair like just like coming to a thing being laser focused on like okay there must be some truth to this right and and i think it's like that laser focus that commitment that like and ralph even says that he's like you know she might just cure cancer with that 
level of energy. <laughs> right. It just like didn't didn't translate into like everyday things. Right. Yeah. Or just like, yeah, the little things in which like they they would often say it's like they'd often get a student who would be like, what, what? Like, do you not know who I am? Do you not know right. who my parents are? Right. Uh, rather than just being like, what's the logical thing that's happening right now? Yeah. And like, w- are there people really actually trying to make my day harder versus being like, <laughs> do you know how many packages we get and <laughs> right. how we have to do this legally because to tamper with someone else's mail <laughs> yeah, right. Right. is actually like punishable in our law? Yeah. So yeah. all of these like different factors and also just because like, honestly, they made like the package center home for so many of us. And like a lot of us didn't know about each other, like the students that actually like felt really connected to this group of people. And like the more I talked to Ralph and Louie, they would always be like, oh, yeah, yeah, this person stopped by. And I was Mm. like, "Ah, there's other people (laughs) like (laughs) one that's awesome, but also like crazy that it's it's not really a known or commonplace thing of like, oh, we all just hang out together. Like if you work here, if you go here, we all hang out. And that there isn't this like marked difference uh, yeah. that came into play. And I think for me, like there were a lot of great students there. Like, don't get me wrong, professors, students, there were a lot of incredible people. But you are met with a lot of different kinds of people and people where you're like, oh, doing your own stuff or doing things that like... <laughs> Even like there's so I'm trying to like think of specific examples, like, for example, like laundry for a kit for kids, like a lot of them would outsource it, either have someone who their family hired or they would get a service to do that. A lot of people who had tutors even throughout college where it's like, yeah, this person helps me perfect my papers. And you're just like, what? (laughs) I'm like my papers. Yeah. Yeah. And you'd be like, oh. And you're already so brilliant in my brain. Like, there was a wow. level of just, like, understanding in how the world worked. And also, I, I met people firsthand where they were, like, upfront and ruthless about, like, I want to make money. And that is the only thing I want to do in life. Yeah. And, like, the way they related to other people was actually very much through that lens only. And that was very different than what I'd come from. So, for me... Experiencing that wide range of humanity was fascinating. And then to hear it firsthand from people who were workers at that school, like, was really interesting. And especially because they are really great people. They are really wonderful. Yeah. He talks about how he, like, wasn't being paid overtime, but he stayed up and, like, did overnights at the package center because it was at a time when, like, the books were being distributed. And, like, he was like, well, these students need their books and just like he has this in addition to just sounding like the most fun person he's like yeah if you're around me like you're gonna have fun i'm yeah i can't help it like that's just what's gonna happen but also just like so firmly aware of the social contract contract that we're all supposed to uphold to like one another and Mm -hmm. he holds himself to a high standard when it comes to helping people and Mm -hmm. that that was another place where you know, I went to school around a lot of people who like went right into finance and, you know, some good, really nice, good people who went into finance and then a lot of like shitty people who who went right into finance. But like the just more and more we're seeing with those kind of 
higher ruling classes, like the more Panama papers leak, the more we learn that they're not holding themselves to like any environmental standards when, you know, the right. energy companies have known, the oil companies have known about climate change since before anyone. Like they're not holding themselves to a standard that upholds the social contract to not just egregiously violate other people's human rights like that that felt like it was like really on display in a in a powerful way in your show thanks yeah yeah i mean that is partially why i wanted this show to exist is just some of the people who uphold that contract the most are people who are like to me like working class folks or or folks who are struggling because like it's very community-based and and also it's a practice of every day. And I think like sometimes as you climb the ladder, like there's this this like, I don't have to uphold it today. Or like if I don't, if I don't do what this person is asking me to do, like then I lose everything I've been trying to build. And yeah. you're like, but how much are you actually losing versus the idea in your head of what you're losing? And then you become then then you allow that to continue slipping, slipping, slipping. And then there's also people who are just like straight up villainous in this world. Yeah. And and I think to me too, with with seeing how like those levels operate sometimes, I I just want to continue connecting people to each other and being like, you're actually not that different. Or yeah, you are very yeah. different, but you can maintain love and compassion. And also like, heck yeah, I have your back. Like, yeah. I want to have your back. And guess what? Actually, if we do understand each other better, if we do connect, we can be like be against all odds and change something. We're seeing it like to me, we're seeing it with the rise of unions again. Right. And yeah. And the labor movement and like being able to connect back to that and being like, yeah, like we we can like believe in the best of people, especially like people who are actually like proving themselves to be working towards that on an everyday basis. Right. I I do think it's underrated how thoroughly the culture what as you said as you like climb the ladder the more you see a culture that is just completely divorced from any consideration of the social contract. Like I th I think that's something people will be continue to be shocked by like I, you know you see it with the panama papers and things like that but you know that I, i'm so glad your podcast exists to kind of ha have that come out uh you know more and more as as you interview some of these voices yeah that aren't heard where so the first two episodes were kind of take place inside the package center where where are you taking it from here so actually what's actually going to be really interesting in conversation to this conversation to see is my third episode is specifically talking to someone who has worked in household staffing for the wealthy of New York City. Yeah. And Ooh. like, so there's some really oh, no. crazy stories in it. Yeah. And also the complicated conversation of like, my podcast is, is a short on the shorter side right now. And eventually, you know, we'd love to continue it to make it like hour long further because like, it's such an interesting conversation to be like, there are people who walk into these homes and don't have any protection whatsoever. Right. And depending on your, your class, your immigration status, your education, all of these things like factor into how you're treated at times. And that, yeah, there are really good people yeah. out there. There are for sure. 
But like what's really complicated is like when you start to see the grays of and then the really the really dark parts of it where you're like, it doesn't matter that there are good people if someone can be treated this way when they walk into a home and on the day to day where like they're not being treated well, let alone paid well or anything like that. Like, what are we doing? So there's that. But then also being like, there's a lot of an interesting sense of like entitlement that can happen even to good people or decent people where it's like, because I've earned this, I deserve to be automatically like treated a certain way or like get all the perks of what I want versus being like, no, if I'm contracting you even for like domestic work, this is a partnership. This is an employee employer thing and it has to be laid out. And if there's like unsaid or like, changing boundaries like that's not okay and i think sometimes people in positions of more power in those situations don't always see the full range of like oh wait let me think about what this means right uh, for this person's life so we talk about that and then i also talk to undocumented ground zero cleanup crew workers and their experience along with like what they they like look forward to in life and how they like think about this country. Mm. And then I also talked to like a woman who stutters. So like the podcast is mostly centered around working people, but it is also like taking in like to consideration people who have been othered in society, no matter what that looks like. And so I talked to this woman who stutters and 1% of the population globally stutters. And there's actually no difference among different ethnicities or races it's actually within gender and so it's very rare to be a woman who stutters and so i talked Mm. to her about what it's like to be perceived as stupid or like someone who doesn't like deserve the time of day to right to have a full conversation with or get to know and so and what that's like growing up even and having that experience so we like do Mm. a whole variety and then like my brother also (laughs) married into a white working class family and so i sit down with my sister-in-law's sister who i like knew very little about and was like hey can i talk to you about your life because my perception of your group of people is very different and your perception of my group of people might actually be very different as well so like a mexican and a white work working class like very much a la New York Times. Yeah. Say, right, I got to right. for the New York Times. Yeah, yeah right? I know. know. <laughs> Let them know. Be like, guess what? <laughs> the conversation is earth shattering. Yes. Subheading for that New York Times piece. What's like, what's the reaction to people? Because, you know, you also mentioned a lot of these people, these workers, it's like the first time anyone's bothered to interview them. Yes. That anyone has bothered to say, no, no, no. The story is about you. The story is about your lived experience. You don't have to like sugarcoat anything we want to talk very you know honestly about your life what is that what's the reaction from people like when you ask them to do that or on the other side of an interview like what kind of what what what's the sensation for everybody involved it's in there's a lot of different perspectives or like feelings involved like my sister-in-law's sister was like no 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 don't interview me like i i have nothing i'm not interesting I have no interesting stories. And yet you hear her life stories and you're like, what the heck? You are fascinating, incredible. Right. And then like even Ralph was like, 
I mean, I'll do it for you because you're asking me. But like, Mm. you know, like it's totally chill. And then he actually was listening to his episode and was told me he was like, I I had to stop and I want to finish the episode. But it's taking me a while. And I was like, you don't have to. But like, also, can I ask why? And he's like, I just never really saw myself from the outside because no Mm. one's been interested in this way. And I and I like am like, I can see how this is a good guy. But like, I also feel so strange to be in this position of like. Wow, I can admire myself. Yeah. Yeah. There's some things that come up throughout the first couple episodes that feel like like almost internalized invisibility. Yeah. Yes. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. that's That's being reflected back to you know, workers, especially people of color is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. More on that. Like, shh, 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 shh. right. You know, exactly. and that's very hard to like break out of that to even embrace the fact that you are worthy or that like, you know, like to like Ralph's point is like, I've never even given myself the grace to put like observe myself and understand that I'm a good person. And even despite the terrible inequality, like it's the people that are on the other side of the scale that are working the hardest to uphold some semblance of fairness and i think that's like right fucking wild yeah and that's the thing that's like so like my heart always fills and like makes me want to do this work more and also wants me like i just want more stories like this to be out there because i'm like yeah the way he upholds fairness and kindness and respect in his own life is much more than most people give him and more than he's given himself sometimes. And even just being like, you talk about like, we mentioned how he's like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know this existed. I remember when I was like, oh, you have to, you like art. You need to go to the Met. Like it's free for New Yorkers. Like go to the Met, take your family Mm -hmm. to the Met. And he was like, okay, sure, sure, sure. He goes to the Met. He's like, it's gorgeous. Like what the heck? It's amazing. And I was like, why didn't you go before? And he's like, I didn't think it was meant for me. Yeah. Right. And just like that level of like, here's a man who is interested in art, but because of the background he comes from, feels like he's not allowed to enjoy it in the same way. Or like, it's not as common to hear like, hey, you know, it is free for for New Yorkers. So like, go check it out if you can. And Like, just kind of working through that with them or even hearing about, like, Louis being really conservative about his hopes and dreams of, like, yeah, you know, I'm working on my real estate license. And just being, like, sometimes also working class people, they they feel like, I think, like, dreaming is not necessarily something they can do or should do. Yeah. Yeah. And yet, like, they deserve in my brain. (laughs) Like, I'm like, everyone deserves to dream. Yeah. You come from such an interesting background on, like, your mom worked as a domestic worker and, like, paid under the table. And, like, she did that to get your dad to a position where he could be a professor. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's kind of really incredible. And to have seen that and grown up with that, like, I grew up going to people's houses and doing my homework while my mom cooked and cleaned and organized. And like, I grew up bartering for all the things I did. 
in my activities and stuff like that until like we got more comfortable. And even then, like, because we do have family in Mexico and unfortunately the economic situation in Mexico has never been amazing. Like my family has always sent money back. So our, when we got comfortable, we, we had people still relying on us. So the way I've gotten to see it is very different. And then, but still getting to grow up around like education being important. It was my parents' way out. Like my mom backed my dad for his education to try and ensure a better life for their family. Mm. And so like being aware of that too and, and understanding what a privilege that is. And then also getting to hang out with all different kinds of people. Like I, I hung out with my dad's grad students. I hung out with, with like, workers my mom knew i hung out with like the restaurant workers in the twin cities like i hung out with like a bunch of different people because i also do and did theater and opera (laughs) like so i was like a strange little child who was running around in different communities Mm. and was very like grateful to both be like accepted and not accepted in any of them so being in that like weird in-between space i think allowed me a lot of like access to worlds and feelings and perceptions and queuing into what was going on in different ways. And then also we moved a lot. So like experiencing that in upstate New York, the Twin Cities, Mm. then New York City, and then now getting to experience what it's like to be in the South have all been like really, really incredible and Mm. very shaping and also reminds me of like how much stereotypes we have out there and some of them are like fun whatever you know like i'll (laughs) even say it like i'm super mexican like i freaking have four kinds of tajin (laughs) in my house at all times like i do carry hot sauce in my bag like there you go (laughs) like i know that i can be a walking stereotype in that way but like how much of it is wrong like like how much lucas were you eating as a kid so much. Okay, all right. <laughs> it was my favorite. It's still my favorite thing ever. Like okay, literally, okay, sure. when I went to go see Wakanda Forever, I had like the you know there's like I had Lucas, and then I also had like there's like now a whole bunch of assortments of it. So uh-huh. I had like cucumber covered tahin gummies. Whoa! Mm. So it's like that's my preferred thing. Okay. Snack. Yeah, Snack? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like. For sure. Like, yeah. <laughs> but also, like, you know, being in the South and being like, damn, there's some really cool people here. And there, then there's yeah, some people gotta... who are, like, just, like, in desperate situations and desperately ignored. Right. right. It and, seems and like be- the one universal thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, no matter where we go, like, that's one constant is that there are a lot of people who are trying to uphold this sense of fairness in a system that has absolutely discarded them. Yeah, and that's like the kind of really beautiful, cruel irony of a lot of like these like hearing from these people, too. And there are two points, like two things that I thought were like, like straight wisdom from that first episode. One was when Ralph was saying he doesn't understand why people like if you're going to toil, like why spend your whole week just looking forward to these two days where you aren't putting yourself through something when if there is a way to make it work for yourself or try and enjoy yourself then try that or at least pursue something like that and then which was like wild too because i've been in many jobs too where i'm like man just get to fucking friday please right i want to do this and that was also like some of the hardest shit like like in my life in terms of like mm-hmm. i'm just being so deeply unsatisfied and then the other was also i think your grandfather telling your father that 
do take a job that stimulates your mind, that you use your mind and not just your hands and things like that. And I think that's such a like it's like those are like those little things you grow up hearing as a child that set you on a path. And I think when I heard that, I was like, wow, that's such a, a like such a great thing to be saying to somebody like when they're young or looking to where what direction they want to move in. Right. Yeah. And uh, that when I found that out from my father, I learned it young, too, like from him. And I like knew like it was a big thing because I've I've grown up with my my grandfather's story like he was put in an orphanage at a young age, like didn't get to finish grade school. Like he was taken out at fourth grade and like ended up working a lot of manual labor jobs, but also tried to make a lot of businesses work. Like he was a milkman. He worked on a farm. He even like did some illegal running across the barters. Like, like he was trying desperately to like, figure things out and was also a man who always loved information like he taught himself english and would read sci-fi books in english Mm. even though he never finished past the fourth grade like to me it was like really moving to hear those stories and then to like also connect that to like yeah like my grandfather had the same attitude ralph has like my grandfather would be like i'm going to tell myself isn't this great? I like this. And then find the ways to figure it out and make it not just bearable, but livable while I'm doing it if I'm required to do it. Right. And that like mentality is like, holy cow, like that takes an incredible mind, an incredible spirit and like such grit to like figure out like being like this. If this is what I got, what do I need to do? Right. Yeah, yeah, especially when increasingly, like, you know, we're at that point now where we need more people to, like, advocate for a kind of life where people can work and not have to think this is torture. At the very least, I can support myself or my yes. family with it, too. And I think that's, you know, I think the ultimate thing you probably want people to come away with when you hear these stories, too, is understanding, like, the how connected we all are and how much we how much we owe each other in this process. These people, people we interact with day to day in their various roles aren't just fucking NPCs in a fucking video mm-hmm. game. Like the, everyone has their own life and is trying to go through it in the same way and to not extend that respect or humility to them. It's just going to happen, you know, at our own detriment. So yeah, I yeah. think it's encourage everybody to listen to the show because it's really fantastic. Yeah. It's when you're invisible on the Michael Tura network and it's very good. Go check it out. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Yeah. It's great having you. All right, that's going to do it for this week's weekly Zeitgeist. Please like and review the show if you like the show. Uh, means the world to Miles. He, he needs your validation, folks. Uh, I hope you're having a great weekend, and I will talk to you Monday. Bye.
What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. This is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth, issues affecting the Latin community, and much more. Then every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community. Listen to Life as a Gringo on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.